Social Impact CX, the podcast that helps you drive mission and make a difference with customer experience. Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining me for the Social Impact CX podcast. I'm John Corrigan, and I'll be your guide to how you can drive mission and achieve social impact with customer experience work. This is episode 23 of Social Impact CX, and again, thanks for listening, as always. Today, I'm grateful for the world of design, design thinking, experience design, service design, disciplines that have been around for actually quite a while, but are really coming forward in everyday conversations in different businesses and organizations that are trying to work hard to put customers and members and citizens and beneficiaries and clients and other humans, other people, put them in the center of product development and business transactions or civic experiences or a service of some kind. And today I'm going to express some gratitude specifically for service design. And and not everyone in customer experience work or focusing on customer experience work is familiar with service design. Uh, I encourage you to, to check it out um, because even more specifically, I'm grateful for the organization known as the Service Design Network, which is a great place to start if you're not familiar with service design. The Service Design Network has roots in Europe, but they attract design professionals from all over the world. Uh, and business professionals and civil service or, or government professionals as well, um, they attend their events wherever they're held. And this is an organization that also represents a fantastic resource network. Service Design Network has an annual event each fall, usually held in Europe, and I know it draws a truly international crowd. And then every few years they hit the road and head out to a different continent. Uh, I had the opportunity to attend the Service Design Global Conference a few years ago when it came to New York City. And it looks like the 2019 Service Design Global Conference will be heading back to North America. Uh, In October 2019, the Service Design Global Conference is going to be held in Toronto, Canada. Toronto is just a fantastic city. Um, If you have any interest in service design, human-centered design, design thinking, or any other related business or experience design discipline, uh, I'd suggest that you track down the Service Design Network online and check out their offerings and upcoming meetings. Uh, You can find them online at service-design-network.org. I think there is a better chance than not that if you're listening to Social Impact CX that you'll find something really interesting uh, at Service Design Network. And that brings us to this episode of Social Impact CX. Uh, When I attended the Global Service Design Conference in New York City a couple years back, my colleague Matt Arnold also attended the conference. And episode 23 of Social Impact CX is part two of my discussion with Matt Arnold about UX and CX, user experience and customer experience. Matt is a user experience expert and myself as a customer experience professional. I place great value on user experience work and the insights you gain from that work. And I've certainly always respected Matt's work in the user experience field as well. And back in episode 22, we started our conversation, Matt and I did, about UX and CX and the subject of teamwork and design and collaboration all came up while we were talking. In this episode, episode 23, which is part two of three of our conversation, we'll cover several topics, including where to start if you or your organization or business are new to user experience work. Getting started with UX. That's what we're talking about in episode 23 with Matt Arnold. So now let's get back to the conversation. 
let's go back to the idea of someone who's new to this. Because um, yes. I think some of the listeners of Social Impact CX, uh, there, there may be teams uh, out there with customer experience, user experience departments, or different members of the organization tasked with those types of functions. But in other places, it's brand new. Even though they may be doing parts of these things right. already, uh, and these different activities could be found in a lot of different places in an organization. Uh, but so if an organization is brand new to you, let's talk about user experience. So specifically to UX, they have no function, no UX function today. They have no history with it. Um, where should they start? What, what would be your advice? Yeah, where to start? Maybe I'll th- like uh, a couple different things. Sure. <laughs> I don't know which one to necessarily pri- prioritize, but I, 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 th- I think, uh, you know, when you when you said that, one of the, the uh, kind of quotes from it's attributed to uh, Drucker, from Peter Drucker, that comes to mind. Is sure. Strat- strategy eats uh, or culture eats strategy for breakfast. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So how do you ha- how do you help a culture enable a culture for change or adoption? And how do you show really how maybe focusing on the customer yeah. is beneficial, and what are the what are the tangible benefits? Uh, but that's where I think um, part of it uh, you need to demonstrate value. Yeah. So how do you maybe pilot something? Uh, start small. Yeah. Uh, and it might sound cliche. Don't try to boil the ocean. Yeah. This can be really complex. What are some things that you might be able to to change or do to have a proof of concept? Right. Demonstrate value. You can fail fast. Yeah, 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 and, uh, and and failing fast. If you've not experienced that in your, a lot of cultures driven by innovation or design thinking that, that the idea of failing fast means that you you try something small, and so you don't bet the farm, and then you know right. do this huge thing, turn on the power switch, and go. Mm, let's see if it works. It's yeah. uh, you can iterate uh, over time, and uh, and user experience work, the research you do, and the testing, and that really allows you to. To concept out things and, and see what is working well, right. what's not working well. Yep. Yeah. And so that you know a lot of a lot of parallels with um, you know some other thing that might be agile or lean movement. If if some of your listeners are seeing yes. those, but that fail quickly or uh, you know fail fast so you can learn quickly. That's that's one of the big things we want to make sure is that you're learning. Uh, how do we get better at understanding what's working, what's not working, right. as you try to dial stuff in rather than spend three years on a project, right. like I said, <laughs> right. okay, it's our big go day, did it work or not? Right. How, how can we do smaller projects, uh, breaking things down to what's meaningful for folks? Right, right. and even, I, I would say, even if you're working in an area of discipline that your organization has 20 years worth of experience in, you may very well have the subject matter expertise to know certain this or certain that, and I, I, I wouldn't propose throwing that out. But then, what are the other elements that you can test around? If you're going to do something to address this core functionality of what you do, you know, how do you best reach somebody? How do they best reach you? How how do yeah. they uh, how do they register? How right. how do they get their results? Uh, all those things are things you can test for, uh, and you know, the opportunity to build upon your area of expertise. Uh, you never necessarily want to throw that out. I mean, there are scenarios where you should start over or your market may be changing so much that you really need to take a completely new lens. But I think UX is extraordinarily valuable also in, uh, and actually probably is the lean movement that uh, fell fast and, and learned quickly is, is most featured. Um, uh, but the, uh, you know, how do you, how do you use these 
concepts for testing and research in that that are many times tied to UX and, and CX as well too, so that you can better understand how to make that that connection with whoever you're trying to reach. So, I think also if they're starting another thing, uh, find some allies yeah, oh yeah. in the company, yeah. right? So that uh, you do have uh, some some helpful. On a personal level, too, just that makes sure, it easier. Absolutely. That, again, um, as a, as a, you, it's a team sport, but where do you find some other allies that right. uh, can help you get right. the work done? You know, I uh, in my career, uh, and I've been at this a little bit longer than you. I, yeah. I've always, uh, I've always said, yeah, as a, I came from really the world of technology and marketing and product marketing and and that, and uh, I've always known I should have a friend in finance. I've always known I should have a, a friend in technical development because I've always been working in that type of environment. Uh, or I, I, I've, I've always known that I should have a friend in research or whatever. And part of the reason why collaboration is so important is that user experience and customer experience where I think it's very quickly to organizational culture and people get very territorial very quickly. And the idea that you're going to explore usability you're going to test usability for something that someone has an ownership in. They've been part of a product team that's been working on this for 18 months, or they've been part of an IT organization that has owned, yeah. yep. um, uh, you know, whatever component it is that you know their application supports process X. Uh, and as soon as you propose that you're going to test the usability of that process or the usability of that product, all of a sudden, you know. If you have a friend in that department, you might be able to get a collaborative understanding that you're here to help and for everybody in right. the broader sense. If you don't have a friend in finance or in product or research or wherever, you have to understand that your first go at things, those might be fighting words. It, it might be quite intimidating. It can't, I, yeah, I think that's a, a very healthy thing to remember is that, because that can feel like a a threat, threat that you, uh, you know, yeah, you're you're judging somebody else's output, right, right. But how, you know, using more kind of design language, how might we create a system yeah. where it's more collaborative? In yeah. that, we want the organization to be successful. We want our customers to be successful. Uh, so, how, how how can we position that so it it doesn't feel like somebody is getting judged, right? And so, whether you're talking about something fairly UX specific like usability or user interface, uh, or whether you're talking about something that might be more CX oriented like a journey, uh, journey map or whatever, you have to realize that part of the essential component of collaboration is that uh, you need a friend in the organization who's in that area um, uh, that understands that you know you, what you're doing is is you're here to help, uh, and and you know this is not to point out the badness right uh, it's it's here to make things better and so yeah we talk about at uh, uh, connect five and handrail we'll, we'll also talk about the concept of organizational empathy to yeah. get adopted so a lot of times empathy is is used as a term with when you consider uh, kind of UX or CX that you have empathy for your customer right. but you also have to have empathy That's and understanding it. for your organization how how did the organization end up here? Mm -hmm. Right. What are the decisions that were made? What are the constraints that they were under? Because uh, I don't think anybody tries to make a bad product no, or service. Exactly. Right? That's it. So not not being condescending to when you right. are working together, not having a bad attitude, like really coming at this, like checking your own ego, 
about right. how we can best serve uh, right. both the business and, and customer. You know, empathy is a two-way street, too, because yeah. as much as a usability assessment might uncover something that could be better um, for the good, uh, for yeah. the whole, uh, having empathy and understanding for your IT team, knowing that they have a fiscal year budget, and you know they wanted to do 112 things, and they got funded for 26 of them. Right. And you know, you may have just pointed out one of the most important stumbling factors of how your target customers or users are hopefully using something, and you've just discovered a problem that could be addressed. Uh, you have to understand that 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 product team or that development team or whatever, um, they now have to take your input and put it in their world as right. well too. Yep. And so uh, it, it comes back to empathy and organizational culture. And I'll tell you what, th this comes right back, I'm a fanatical believer in top-down leadership. You get to leadership very, very quickly. Um, you may very well uh, set yourself on a path yeah. that will demonstrate to the whole organization just how well the VP of product and the CIO do or don't get along. Right. And and so while you may just be doing a usability test on a product that no one ever did a usability test on before, you have to realize this broader context. And it's all the more reason why you have to understand collaboration and, and why you need a friend in all these different areas of the organization. Right. So. One of the things I try to do to uh, help uh, soften the blow on some yes, of the things yeah. when, when it feels like maybe you're calling somebody's baby ugly right? is also knowing that uh, context has changed. So context is huge for us in design and we think about uh, customer um, uh, expectations continue to evolve. So while we talk about goal-based design, we'll say that essentially people's goals, what they're trying to accomplish are really stable. Those are good design targets if you understand the deep need or what they're really trying to accomplish, but their expectations continue to change and evolve. And I think sometimes the hard part for folks inside an organization is they think that uh, expectations might be uh, channel or industry uh, specific. Right. But customers continue to compare you to, this is how I can do my online banking now. That's it. This is how I can do my airline ticket searches now. Why why do I have so much trouble with your company? Right. Right. It, it it's not like they think about, oh, you're in this specific industry or you're for profit or non profit. It's you're getting compared to the yeah. other expectations that are getting defined in their daily life. Alternative experiences that maybe right. weren't even on the radar screen when a product was developed. Right. And so that that's not calling a baby ugly. That's that's saying here's market condition. Yep. Uh we have a category of competitors or alternatives that didn't exist five years ago when right. we introduced this solution or whatever. Yep. Uh, what does that mean now? And and so having a constructive conversation and you know then also um, it's not for the UX team to pout that they're that, that you know solution X or fix Y wasn't you know put on the docket for next month. Uh, it's, uh, it's understanding this broader how are we going to get to wherever it is we're going? How do we agree upon where we're going? Yeah. And, you know, how do we work together on that? That's really, that's really what this is all about. Yeah, I think in a healthy way, too, is like so that we uh, maintain uh, that our, our designs at any stage don't become too precious, right? Right. We're holding, holding on because then it becomes ego-driven. Right. Uh, but it is, like, how, how can we be more collaborative uh, in, in the spirit of progress? Right. So. Right. You know, what's interesting is that if you up-level to that somewhat 
not always well understood term human-centered design um, if you can get a more common understanding of what human I mean designers call it HCD if you uh, if you if you decide to delve into this subject you get HCD all over the place which is that's a great that's a great place to work the the problem is is that if you sit with your COO or your CEO or your CIO they may have no idea what HCD is and so it's your job to translate also it's a, it's a presenting US work on what is a pass or a fail versus UX work and findings on how, how are we achieving our objective? You know, and social, how are we helping more people? Uh, in the commercial sector, it's how are we selling yeah. more? Um, uh, but yeah. th th those, how are we helping more people? How are we selling more product? How are we improving margins? How are we, how are we reducing the cost of something that is an awful experience? Yeah. Those are the, that is all HCD, uh, but that's, it's important that you translate that point, I think. Yeah, and I think that, and we can fall into those traps because we get excited, so then we want to use very specific language, but how do we use understandable language yeah. for, uh, for our stakeholders? Right, so. right. In a nonprofit organization, I think it's about how you achieve mission. That goes for a lot of for-profit organizations, yeah. too, but, uh, you know, and then uh, that, that's, hard to, that, that's hard to argue against, although you still have to have some... Yeah internal empathy for your teammates about it's their budget and their hiring plan and their resource allocation that will or won't be able to actually fix something. Well, and that's, I, I think, you know, like we were talking about ROI and adoption too, and that's where also how can you frame these efforts as um, investment yep. rather than a cost? That's a, great, that's a great transition. So how do you measure ROI or return user experience work uh, we uh, some of what we we try to do I, I, or for the listeners I'll, I'll step back because there's there's different numbers from uh, groups that are doing great work in the space like Forrester uh, right. and also uh, human factors international a UX specific group yeah. actually based in in Iowa uh, but you know there will be numbers depending on uh, uh, kind of the the segment or what's being worked on of a two to one or a ni nineteen to one return on investment on user centered activities. Interesting. Yep. That, but that's that's pretty squishy. So how do you get down to specifics? But that goes back to uh, what does it cost to support a customer today? And sometimes it's hard to say because who who who's paying for the call center? Right. For example, right, right. Uh, who, uh, who is handling the, the the frustrated call, or who's handling the returns? Right. I remember early days of uh, e-commerce. <laughs> that was just supposed to be printing money, right? We're going to sell directly online. Right. And then all of a sudden, returns started coming in. Yes. And people, oh wait, we uh -huh. we got to credit that inventory. Right. So it's it's interesting too, right. even how how do companies even track expenditure yeah. today? So so let me. I want you to continue on this path, yep. but let me reiterate. The reason why you need a friend in finance, the reason why you need a friend in IT who supports the e-commerce platform, the reason why you need a friend in platform or product or any of these other departments is because you're going to have these holistic experiences that do come back to cost. And, and uh, line item A in one organization may be in one team, and line item A... In another organization, maybe with another team, and so it's very situational, and it's up to you to figure that out. I yeah. I really put this 
at the feet of the UX and the CX team. It's a lot of responsibility to have, but if you don't figure that out, you're not going to be successful. And so, right? Yeah, yeah, because that gets to what are we really trying to do? And I think it's trying to maximize our effectiveness as an organization. Right. Right. And so, how there's lots of different levers, but right. you have to understand how they're connected right. as well. Uh, yeah, it's uh, it it can be it can be super super challenging. Yeah. Uh, and that's why also like with a lot of other things, how how can you start small? Right. Uh, don't take on try to take on the world at once. Yeah. Uh, and demonstrate well, I value. Think, I think a great place to start is back to your e-commerce example. Who does own the line item for the returns? Yeah. For e-commerce, that's who you should go talk to because if if the experience is less than ideal there or expensive beyond anybody's dream, and that was a uh, unexpected uh, impact on the yeah. line item, that's where you can go help. And 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 also, you won't just find a friend; you'll find a partner uh, in in what it is you're trying to do. So when we're we're doing a lot of uh, kind of design and consulting work too on an overall experience, and what you were saying, so we're talking about who who owns this, right? Mm-hmm. Has this responsibility? Uh, because it, it's that's really important for people in the organization. They build up a lot of their identity. <laughs> Customers don't care. They're right. doing business or they're yeah. transacting or interacting with your company, not your accounting right. department. Your brand. Right, so I've had people, yes. even within finance, say, oh, that's, no, that's a billing issue, that's not, right? They're subdividing, is this accounting, is this book, you know, is this, is this uh, um, uh, um, sales, you know, just where they're looking at revenue, like all these things that get subdivided where customer really doesn't care. And I think as customers, in our, in our lives, probably any time you've, you've needed support, especially if you've gotten on a phone call, right? feel like you're about to make progress, you finish explaining where you need help or what's broken, oh, I'm sorry, that's a different department. Right. Let me, and the, all those departments make sense inside to a company. They don't make sense, and that's not how your customers view the world. And right. so that's also part of, I think, why you have to start knocking down those, going back to the term silos so, as well. Right, right exactly. Um, you know, when you consider return and how this is this work is going to be measured, whether it's UX or CX, uh, I think it's also worthwhile to you can um, you can typically gain a lot of goodwill in your organization, your leadership, if you help reduce costs. Uh, and you know, back to somebody's ugly baby. Yeah. Um, uh, and you don't want to call somebody's baby ugly, but if you can help something be a little better, a little easier to use, the, 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 there is a cost associated with bad design, with a bad interface. Right. Um, but I think it's really important to understand that traditionally in business, and I don't think this is different for UX or CX, is that while there's a lot of value to convey by fixing problems and reducing negative impact, I think you always have to translate into how are you helping with upside. And so so let's say the user interface for a product that's been in market for three years is terrible and that costs a lot of money because people have to call in because they can't figure out what they're doing with it. Yeah. I think it's really important to understand that by fixing that problem, you're going to hopefully reduce costs in the call center, but actually I think you want to make sure that you also understand how to convey how you're going to be able to sell more now. Yes. Um, you know, more people are going to have an enjoyable experience with this product, which means 
hopefully more people are going to buy more product or more people will be exposed to the related product because right. they got so far as to buy in the first one or whatever that is. And they trust you now. And they so trust that you. if you have other offerings, yes. they can trust you rather yeah. than they, uh, that last one was a little frustrating. I don't know if I want to give them any more money. Right. right. And so, uh, you know, while you may have specific findings of what's good or bad from a usability test in your UX efforts, uh, you want to translate that into, you don't want to just focus on this is the screen where everybody drops. Uh, yeah, and I'd say also being able to focus on what matters. Yeah. Right, because the, for your business, the, you know, the thing that might make or break that relationship might not be but that, this particular element, right? And so that's where, I, early in my career too, I think maybe I, I put too much stake into, I think this is super important, but it wasn't either important to the business to fix or they didn't see that as being a barrier. So that's just some advice I have too, is if back to success and value is, is this something that even makes a difference to, to the customer's right. life? Right, so. right. Well, I, I, that's a really important point. And also in customer experience work with journey mapping, I think one of the most fascinating findings that you get also is that there may be a touch point that's really important to the customer, but it may be something that is simply out of your control. Yeah. Um, you know, when we were both at ACT, nobody enjoys taking a standardized test, or a, it's a very small population of people out there <laughs> right. that enjoy taking a standardized test. And so a touch point where someone is conveying their problem with a standardized test is one thing. A touch point that allows somebody to register or better understand the 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 findings or the output or whatever those are all things that are within your control right uh, and I think each organization whether you're nonprofit or for-profit there's lots of things that may be outside your control and so um, whether they're UX findings or CX findings I think one of the most important conversations you have as you collaborate with your with your uh, peers across the organization is so this is what we learned and you know we can't do anything with this thing over here, or that one would really have to go up to executives. Uh, but these couple, three things over here are all indicative of a product feature, or a workflow that we have, or a current limitation with a system that we have. You know, how do we, yeah. how do we change that? Because we can then serve people better and achieve the goals of the organization better. And uh, that I think that it all comes, the sound like very broad conversations, but it comes back to measurement. Yeah, yeah, me, again, yeah, getting, getting to good measures. Uh, I think also one of the things that I try to do early in projects uh, is talk to uh, stakeholders. Uh, like, yeah. Okay. And what does is, what is success look like for them? What are they expecting? Uh, and how, or, you know, projecting into the future, say, how will you know this project was successful or this change? And, and that is something, too, certain things to be measured on uh, for your project, right? So that you're uh, intentional and explicit early on about what are the bounds, what's the scope, what are we doing? Because a lot of design efforts, sometimes it can get really messy and it's like, oh, wait, we thought it was this. But it's, it's another issue. Right. Do you, do you have permission and flexibility to go after that? Or can you say that we, we know this is right. kind of outside of bounds for yeah. now? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, so trying to, and trying to avoid uh, just absolutes on, right. on elements. Right. This has been Social Impact CX Podcast Episode 23 
which is part two of three of my conversation with user experience expert Matt Arnold. And as I've said many times before, Social Impact CX is also intended to be an interactive forum, a place to get uh, questions answered, provide some context, uh, stir up some conversation, maybe get some definitions related to user experience work or customer experience work, a better understanding of, of each field, how they interrelate. So what questions do you have after listening to my discussion with Matt? Uh, questions about user experience, customer experience, or anything else that comes to mind or that came to mind as we were talking. You can ask a question or make a comment at Social Impact CX a couple different ways. First, you can send an email to comment at socialimpactcx.com. That's C-O-M-M-E-N-T at S-O-C-I-A-L-I-M-P-A-C-T-C-X.com. You can also find us on Twitter and post a question there. Our Twitter handle is Social Impact CX. And please follow us on Twitter to stay up to date with new podcasts and other related content. You can also find me on Twitter. Uh, my handle is John F. Corrigan. You can send me a message or a question directly. Uh, or if you're listening to this podcast via either SoundCloud or YouTube, please feel free to post a question in the comment section there, and we'll do our best to catch up with you and get you an answer. And while you're at YouTube or SoundCloud, please subscribe to uh, the Social Impact CX channel at either place. This is John Corrigan reminding you that, especially in social impact work, it's important to understand that your mission is really all about someone else's journey. And the more you know about someone's journey, the more you can help. Thanks for listening to Social Impact CX.